Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 44th episode, I'm happy to be joined by Chicago artist Ann Tebby. Now, we talked, of course, about her evolution as an artist, her processes, materials, but we also talk a great length about some of the most recent work that's coming up and a number of shows that are coming up in the next few months. So please stay tuned later to find out more information about that. Once again, if you have never heard of Studio Break, you can check out any number of podcasts and slideshows at the Studio Break blog and website, just studiobreak.com. So please remember to subscribe. And you can also subscribe to us in iTunes. Just search for Studio Break under podcasts and get updates that way. Again, we've got a lot of listening for your early morning commute or maybe your post-work commute or just accompaniment in the studio. So please go ahead and do that. And also, would you be so kind as to leave us some feedback? We'd really appreciate it. Again, you can also check us out on Facebook and follow us at Twitter, just at Studio Break. All right, here is this interview. Please stay tuned and enjoy. Welcome to Studio Break. We're happy to be joined by Ann Tebby this morning. How are you? I'm doing really well. And nice to be uh, joined by uh, by you in your studio. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before about your background, and, and I was just hoping that you could just uh, tell us where you're from and, and where you're currently living, and, uh, you know, just uh, we can go from there. Well, I um, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and then from Cincinnati, I moved five hours north to Cleveland to go to art school, the Cleveland Institute of Art, and I spent five years in Cleveland, and uh, kind of in a mass exodus from my graduating class in 97, I went to uh, New York, and we all moved to Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which was like, we didn't even know at the time, but a really great move. Um, and I lived in Williamsburg during the time when it was the up-and-coming neighborhood. I even moved there before Plan Eat Thai was a big restaurant. It was just a tiny little restaurant on Bedford Avenue that you um, you could never get a table at. And then, I, so I worked in New York a really um, for a number of years. I worked there uh, as an art handler uh, in many different places uh, and landed a job, a full-time job at a gallery called what is now Sycamore Jenkins Company. At the time, it was uh, Worcester Gardens down on Broadway. And I even was in New York when the galleries were moving from Soho to Chelsea. So uh, it was kind of a really exciting time in New York. But I, uh, as an artist, I was only working in my studio at night and not um, – I was not making any real connections. Like I didn't have studio visits with all the really cool artists I was meeting, like Amy Silman and Arturo Herrera and Kara Walker and Josiah McElhaney. I was just an art handler. Um, and I guess in 2000, in 2000, I got, I was able to go to Skowhegan. I was accepted in the residency there, which is very exciting for me. And then I, uh, after I got back from Skowhegan, I spent another year art handling in New York. And I kind of realized at that time, like if I was going to make it, I had to stop doing, uh, those jobs and start being an artist. And I think an awakening moment for me was when, um, some younger artists were being considered, at the gallery I was working, people who I had known from school and uh, Michael Jenkins, the director, was looking at them uh, seriously as showing them at the gallery. And I thought, okay, I can't be here hanging this person's show. So then I went to Yale and I met my husband, who I'm married to, uh, Eric. And we he's based in Chicago, so we moved here. And uh, I should say right after Yale, I spent one year in Berlin on a, on a grant. So I went from... New York Beautiful. to New Haven to Berlin to Chicago. And I've been in Chicago a really long time now. I've been here since 2005. So I've lived here the longest out of all the places I lived after I left my parents' house. So I feel like Chicago is definitely home. Right, right. Well, it's, and it's interesting to be traveling all that much. I'm sure that maybe uh, that comes up in the work somewhere. But oh, definitely. I, I, guess we'll, I guess we'll find out more specifically as we, as we go through. Oh, yeah, um, it certainly does, yeah. And, and were you always active, I guess? You know, I, I always like to ask this because there's so many variations on this, but were you really active as, uh, you know, uh, someone in the arts when you were, like, a kid, you know, always so, kind of doing stuff like that, or did it so, come much later? Or? You know, I'm really – I feel I'm really um, – one of those people who always liked the idea of an artist and always called myself an artist, but I had very mainstream beginnings. You know, I went, I grew up in Southern Ohio, which is fairly conservative. I grew up Catholic. Um, all of my friends were culturally unaware. I didn't know anything about the cure or anything cool that was happening. Um, 
I listen to pop radio. I always laugh about that. You know, when we would go out on Friday night, we just turn on the radio and listen to whatever bad pop music was on. And I even loved it. You know, I I wore my hair really big with hairspray. I wore mini skirts. I you know, you know, hot rollered my hair, you know, all this stuff that when I arrived at art school in my like sweatshirt and umbros, cause I was also very athletic mm-hmm. in high school, I was in complete culture shock. You know, here were friends, still good friends of mine now <laughs> who were wearing like combat boots and, you know, um, what was the big band that everybody was listening to? Ugh, I'm going to laugh cause I can't think of it, but there were posters of, you know, Danzig and things that I didn't even know existed, you know, bands my one friend went to see bands her like her whole time in high school was spent going out to see shows i didn't even know what going out to see a show meant right so um and as in 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 terms of artistic being artistic i took art classes in high school i did all the assignments that my teacher um assigned i did a little bit of extracurricular drawing but i was never so i never stayed in my room and was dark and and i i went out and i was sort of popular (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's weird to say, but I never was very artistic. I just wanted to be an artist. Um, I made that transition really quickly. Once I, I I think I'm a good, I'm a quick study. Like once I got to art school, I was like, Oh, this is what I need to do to be an artist. Like, duh. I just didn't, you know, nobody had told me that you had to, you know, dress funkier, go to thrift stores and, you know, draw all the time. And that made you more of an artist than if you just like said, Oh, I take my art classes at school and I want to go to art school. That was like the limit of my artistic, um, you know, personality in high school. I wasn't definitely, you know, I didn't paint my walls black. Right, right. Well, and then certainly then when you started college, you started smoking clove cigarettes too. You know, I definitely tried cigarettes. <laughs> I'm not a smoker. I'm an ad- I adamantly am against smoking now as an adult, but sure. I smoked a few clove cigarettes and cigarettes in general and other things. <laughs> Not limited to cigarettes, but, you know. Well, no, I, I just, I, you know, it, it, it just kind of brought me back to that for some reason, um, which kind of, you know, brings, leads me to my next question a little bit. I mean, what, what's it like then when you go to, um, to start that, that art, art degree then? I mean, were you, did you gravitate towards uh, like a 2D approach early on or was no. it kind of mixed or? You know, my, everything I did in high school, I made like two really bad acrylic paintings. Uh, we had no facilities. I went to a Catholic girls high school. So it was all drawing, mostly like automatic drawing and imaginative drawing and um, a lot of like observation, uh, drawing from observation from objects and clothed figures. But when I got to Cleveland Institute of Art, um, it it was a really, I think a good time for that school. It was still a five-year program. Um, It still had a really strong, It good for me that it had a really strong foundation program that was based in drawing, painting, and what they called design, which was 2D design and then 3D design. But so the first year I really spent trying to do figure drawing because it was exciting and new and I sucked at it. I mean, I was terrible. I never got my drawings in the cases. So I went to the night figure drawing classes trying to get better. Um, I was, I'm not a natural uh, uh, at anything in art. So that was a real awakening for me too. I mean, I had the ambition and the, um, the work ethic, but I had very little natural like drawing talent. So I, you know, I had a lot of hard knocks at that school too. So, but the first formative years, what you do there is you take two years of foundation and then you choose your major. My first major was printmaking. Um, and then I spent a summer, which we can, um, revisit this at Chautauqua. I met a sculptor, uh, and had a really fun time doing figure sculpting that summer. This is all the figure too, which is so funny. Cause I don't, <laughs> um, and when I got back to Cleveland after that first summer in Chautauqua, I transferred, from printmaking to sculpture. So the first couple years of the Cleveland Institute of Art were all like learning to paint, learning to draw, and learning what design was, which actually that was the class I was good at, strangely enough. Like that was the one I seemed to excel in. So it was interesting. Sure. So And, and so what, you came back and then you started um, pursuing sculpture. Um, is, is that what you wound up leaving with or was there another? Oh, yeah. And now I have a sculpture degree from Cleveland Institute of Art. Yeah, I spent interesting. Um, two years in the sculpt. I spent one year in printmaking and then I went to Chautauqua. I love Chautauqua, so I spent another. Then I transferred to sculpture. So you go five years at Cleveland. So my um, my fourth year I was sculpture, and then I went back to Chautauqua for another summer. I loved it so much, and uh, worked with this guy Mike. Uh, gosh, his name is Michael. What's his name? This is terrible. Michael <laughs> Smith, I think. Um, he's a little bit of a nut. Uh, really high energy guy. Uh, 
And I also met another, uh, his assistant, David Jenkins, who was uh, doing set design in New York. So this was like a very formative time for me. They were very enthusiastic about me being in sculpture. My second year at Chautauqua, I spent mostly welding and working with concrete and going to dump, like going to dumps and picking up steel and doing the real like David Smith thing. Um, and then my final year at Cleveland, I sort of broke from my modernist sculpture phase and started moving more into the, uh, I think the aesthetic that informs my work now, which at the time was just like using a lot of different kinds of material, like foam, uh, getting more into craft, going to a, an art store called Pacatans and buying things like, uh, cellophane. And, you know, I really started finding my voice, but I left there with like really weird work. And, um, most of it went into a dumpster and then I moved to Brooklyn and, uh, made sculpture for a little while in Brooklyn until I uh, transitioned into just making, again, just making drawings before I was really ever painting. Well, and, and talk, you know, you talked a little bit about starting out, you know, working um, from the figure or working representationally. I mean, were your sculptures representational in that sense? Or were they, it sounds like maybe they were interested in, in the materials. Um, well, what, it, what did it, they look like? It evolved. So I, I went to Chautauqua and did figure sculpting one summer. And I was also there doing printmaking. So I was working a lot and drawing that summer and doing a lot of woodblock printing. Um, and taking a lot of drawing classes and still painting. I still took a painting class that first summer at Chautauqua. So I was sort of still figuring out who I was as an artist. And um, drawing still had a, played a big role. And then painting, I was still deciding am I a painter or a sculptor. Um, and, but when I got back to Cleveland, the sculpture professor, Carl Floyd, was so enthusiastic about the sculpture that I ended up making on my own in Chautauqua, which were just blobs. Um, uh, who there's a British sculpture sculptor who makes like they look like almost turds, a large turds. Um, not, not, it's like a, it's in the David Smith Anthony Caro school of sculpture, but I can't think of his name. But they kind of look like that on armature. So they were seriously just like blob forms made out of concrete. Um, it, you know, and but my the sculpture guy Carl Floyd at uh, Cleveland Art really loved them, and he sort of convinced me to go into sculpture. And I spent a whole year making these giant blobs on steel armature. So I was like, I was like sculpting concrete on an armature and then welding steel to make the thing that like the pedestal that would hold them up. Hmm. And they were ugly. I mean, you know, (laughs) I have no problem admitting they were like really honestly not really that interesting. But, um, the next year I, like I said, I found my voice and I started working from this, uh, point that I now work at still is just working from my life from this like kind of domestic space, this narrative that comes from routine. And I started picking out things from my life that were interesting to make sculptures about. And they became more representational again. They, like I said, they look very crafty. I I did a canopy bed with a toy chest in front of it and a tea set. I was interested in this idea of like um, a spoiled child. And I did a series of woodblock prints about my, uh, my family dog. And I, created a sculpture out of that using the woodblock prints. Um, none of them made any sense. I would say as, as artworks, they were completely nonsensical, but they were, they, they were, I was finding my voice. Like what, what kind of subject matter, you know, keeps me interested and keeps me, um, working. And that was my final show there. You have a big final show. And it was just a lot of these very random sculptures about basically about interiors. Right. Right. Well, and it's interesting too, cause I mean, even the figure, um, obviously relates to the interior just because, you know, um, all of our spaces are set up for us, you know? So yeah. even, even in a non-direct way, it's kind of, it seems like then it might always have been there. But, um, so, so that kind of served as a, a, a new way of, of kind of investigating some of the, the 2D work. Is that right? Or is that, or how did that transition happen? You moved to, uh, Brooklyn and, um, you're making these sculptures. I mean, what, what, what happened in that process where you started getting, I guess, reinvestigated and or reinvigorated, I guess, for the, for these other works too. Well, what, you know, when you move, I think, you know, I moved there when I was 22, almost, tur- almost turning 23, I think. And we had, uh, we, we were very lucky in terms of the New York thing where we found an apartment that, uh, was a whole floor of a house. It was really inexpensive. And actually my ex-boyfriend still lives there because it's so inexpensive, but we each had a small room for a studio, small. And, um, I did make a lot of sculpture in that room I poured a really heavy plaster brick wall. I was, in, you know, interested in brick walls. I think almost every artist is interested in brick walls at some point. And uh, I made a lot of paper mache fruit. I really, my my subject matter became very banal and in and in in like very suburban. It's almost like I moved to the big city, and then even though I didn't actually grow up in a, a, a true suburb, I, drew, I grew up in just like a 
a regular city neighborhood just outside the city limits. So it wasn't like the suburbs, but, um, I just became very suburban in my subject matter. And as I made more and more sculpture, it just filled up the room and it was just, uh, my ex-boyfriend was doing a lot of drawing. That's what kind of was his thing. He was working from photographs, which was very prominent at the time in New York. There was a lot of illustrative drawing in galleries. Like if you went around to see shows, you saw a lot of work that was, you know, tightly rendered often on paper. Um, so that kind of influenced things and, you know, just transitioning from trying to go out and buy materials at hardware stores, which was a lot more difficult in New York, to realizing that paper was more economical. And, you know, I was also working a full-time job, so I was coming home and trying to do the art thing at night when I felt like it or on the weekends. And, you know, I think it was just that it was easy to go back to um, paper because it was just so much more readily available and took up so much less space. Sure. And, and, you know, drawing has always been a big part of my practice, even though I will say in, at Cleveland, I had a lot of experiences where people told me, especially in the printmaking department, that I, you know, my drawings were not good. They were bad. You know, like uh, I even have a very distinct memory of the professor in printmaking saying, you know, this is you just you're not a very good drawer. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's, you know, fuel, fuel for the fire. I don't know. So. Right. Um, but, you know, that's what I ended up doing. I, I started doing, making a lot of drawings and then. I went to Skowhegan. I, you know, I was really excited. I made some really funky figurative work from photographs that was out of painted out of gouache. They were just scenes from my family's life. Um, some of them were kind of like almost like Photoshop, but they, there was no Photoshop involved. Where I just like pieced together different photographs and create an image, which I think a lot of artists have done. And I made pretty um, uh, not photorealistic, but photo influenced gouache paintings that had figures in them and. I was definitely interested in portraying some kind of naturalism. And I got accepted to Skowhegan with these small gouache paintings. And at Skowhegan, I met Amy Selman more officially as an artist. I've known her before. And she just told me, why don't you just start working from memory? And this is a story I always tell. And this is how I started the work that I make now. It's just I threw out the photographs and I started working from memory. Oh, interesting. Summer. And, you know, I kind of never turned back. And I will say it's coming full circle. I work more and more from images now. But I'll explain why. Um later when we talk about that but yeah so i just transitioned first from using photographs then to not using photographs and things looked like drawings kind of even like toba kadori and then uh from that i started developing this style that i've been using of doing the interior spaces and and eventually painting so well and it's interesting too because then it can it definitely combines that idea of the, the personal but then you know, as you're moving away from something that's, uh, you know, like, like a photograph, something that's, that's supposed to be that recorded memory, you know, um, kind of moving away from that. Was there any kind of transition in terms of that? I mean, are you trying to elicit like a, a particular feeling from a space then when you're starting a drawing? Once I got, once I started working from memory, the figure was gone. Like, you know, my drawing skills were as such that I could never have made a figure, even if I'd wanted to, which I don't, I don't think I did. Uh, I could have, put a figure in without looking at something. Um, so I started understanding that there was a psychological pool in an interior space. Like you could tell a story through an interior and I love drawing objects. That was really interesting for me to try to remember everything that was in a room and try to render those from memory. And then the awkwardness that that would occur when you do something from memory, it doesn't look like a photo anymore. It looks funkier. It looks odd. It, you know, perspectively it gets, um, skewed and, these were things that I started learning about through my own work. And then people started describing them back to me saying, Oh, you're doing this in your work or you're, this is like a folk artist, or this is like pre pre perspectival. It's like medieval work. Um, and I started looking more and more at those kinds of artists versus the, the artists in that I was seeing in New York galleries and also more art historical figures that I'd been introduced to in undergrad. Um, I hadn't gone to grad school yet, but you know, I wasn't looking anymore at, you know, modernist sculpture and, you know, uh, William de Kooning, I was looking at, um, grandma Moses and you know, artists right. that were just more off the, off the main, you know, main line of history. So, and I think I developed my, my way of working as I became more aware of other artists, the people that did things outside of the mainstream. Sure. Sure. And well, and I guess just to kind of get an idea of when, um, when your graduate school experience was, um, when, when was that? Cause again, the, the oldest archive stuff that, that, that I see on your, your site is from about 2002. Is it about that time or was that, did that come a little bit later? 
Um, 2002 is when I went to grad school. So okay. I think the, the work on that is some, I did a couple of, one piece called um, Attic Sleepovers. Right, before, I was working on that the summer before I went to grad school. It's a very popular painting, by the way. Um, people still email me about that. And, uh, and Mel Bachner said that painting was overworked when I finally should. <laughs> this painting is overworked. Um, and uh, anyway, so that is when I started grad school. So that work, those rooms, there's a few rooms that came before that. Um, uh, that is the work that I applied for school with, was this interior spaces that are kind of like these boxes, like as if you're looking in a box and all the walls are sort of a slightly bent out so you can see everything that's on the wall and then the floor is the middle space and things you're really looking from a bird's eye view so the bird's eye view work is what I started doing in 2001 and 2 and it's kind of been I've been pursuing that ever since in a way and so, is there is there any like and I guess just because because you brought that up and again it's interesting because the the newer work um starts to have like these areas that flatten out a bit more or at least progressively, I don't know, get, get a little bit more playful in some of that. Whereas, as you kind of pointed out, there's kind of almost like a one-point kind of perspective thing with the walls kind of moving in towards that center. Um, oh, yeah, totally. I didn't is, even know what I was doing, i got to be honest. It, was just, like, it just felt natural, but, you know, I, I also really had to work hard to get things to even look as if they were sitting in that space. Like, those paintings were so labored. I mean, and Mel was, in a way, he was correct. I, I really worked, overworked them. Like, I worked so hard on them. Um, well, and there's a, there's a level of representation that becomes so apparent. You know, you're, you talked a lot about drawing and, and your background in drawing. And, again, if you look at especially some of these, some of those paintings from that, I guess, the earlier archives of your website, again, there's, it seems like there's a level of, of realism that, um, I don't know, becomes a little bit more playful maybe as, as you kind of go through your, your other bodies of work. Um, so what, what was that transition like then, first of all, then in terms of going to graduate school, did it, did it immediately shift things for you or was it, it sounds like you were almost in a space where you were ready for that shift. You know, graduate school is interesting. I, I went, you know, I went when I was 27, I think, and I'd already lived in New York for a number of years. And so I was, I was feeling like I was pretty cool cause I was, you know, a New Yorker. But I didn't feel like I was cool as an artist. Um, but I, I had strength of personality by then. So when I went, I, I began in this that way of working with the bird's eye view and the kind of one-point perspective, almost like a box that you're looking in. And I stuck with that the whole first year. I worked, I, you know, I taught myself to paint in gouache. I had never really painted in oil since undergrad. Um, and I worked in that way the whole first year. And I got some criticism or, you know, you know, ribbings from my, mainly from my fellow, uh, artists, like the, the colleagues that I was there with, the people who were in the program and the professors were actually very supportive. Even, I will say even Mel Bachner. I mean, even though he felt I maybe overworked things, he was supportive of the way I was doing the work and nobody really pushed me to do something different, which is what they do at grad school. And I, I never really veered off of that. I did not veer off the interiors or anything, but by the second summer, I was interested in trying to paint. Like painting had become romantic to me. And I was in the program with a lot of really technical painters, people who were painting with underpainting with a lot of mediums. And they were really like doing a kind of real photorealistic thing. So I spent my second year trying to learn to oil paint. And the paintings that I left with um, were not my best paintings, uh, the ones I had in my show. Uh, the, it was the first year that I made the better work at grad school and the second year where I was trying to, and I think this happens to a lot of grad students where I was trying to change things, at least in terms of medium that my work went a little off kilter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I, you know, immediately after I left grad school, I almost, I did spend one year oil painting in 2006. Um, and I made some nice work better than the work I made at grad school, but I almost immediately went back to my old ways. Like it was like, that was just a blip on the screen that last year at grad school. Um, maybe probably one of the most crucial ones. Uh, and I won't say I left Yale without accolades. I got a travel grant. I, um, I sold a lot of work at the open studios when the, when people came, but the work that was sold was the work from the first year. It was all very eye opening to me how, being in such a prominent grad program and how it all works. And, and then that last year feeling like the work just sort of went off, you know, went off the tracks and sort of having to pick up the pieces after that. And luckily I went to Berlin, so it didn't really matter, but I, I did not leave grad school feeling like, Oh shoot. I just realized that, um, I was tackling something that was going to take some time to 
figure out, you know, I wasn't good in oil paint as I was in gouache. That was, that was the big, the big news flash that hit me, uh, that last year at Yale. Well, and you certainly learn that it goes on after school, you know, and it sounds like too, then at an early, well, not at an early, but I mean, I mean that drive, that, um, that level of determination and that you just kind of have to work through things seems like it's always been kind of apparent. I don't know. Um, but one of the things that I'm interested too, then is, is what, what, what did you wind up looking at in terms of the way that you start breaking up um, the different types of spaces that you look at? Because obviously, you know, kitchens, living rooms, um, breakfast areas, porches, I mean, there's attics, I mean, there's a lot of things. So, I mean, was it something that just kind of really depended on, like you you, you were in a space long enough that you kind of thought, you know, I could, I could make a painting about this? Or how does, how does that process work to decide, you know, what you're going to make a painting off of or a drawing off of? Well, I mean, what you just said is... is- Exact. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. So the first paintings, um, were inspired by this idea of routine and, you know, being in using a space. Uh, I, I often look at the, a painting that's not on my website. It's called and, um, after school days. It's my, my best friend growing up who lived up the street and we spend every afternoon after school at her house. Cause her mom worked. She was a single mother and we would hang out at her house cause there were no parents there. And you know, we just spent a lot of time in her kitchen making, basically making a mess, making snacks and, you know, really making her mother mad when she got home that we were there making this huge mess. But I just have such a vivid memory of that space and that time. And then that painting attic sleepovers is where my cousins and I, when we would visit, uh, in the summer, the the farm that my family owns, um, my grandmother, uh, had a farm, uh, from her great, her parents, I think, and anyway, we just spent summers there. We slept in the attic. I was always one of the youngest, so I just listened to the jabber of the the uh, teenagers as they talked about boyfriends and sex and stuff that I didn't understand. And I was always freaked out that there was going to be a spider in my bed <laughs> because it was very musty. But it was like something that we did over and over. It was just like repetitive, you know. So rep- repetition was really important in the early work. Now, the new work, it's, it's much different. It's not as important, and often it's... I'm working in spaces that I barely know at all and I'm trying to piece together um, m- memories from people who barely have memories of the space themselves. So I'm actually working from a much more limited uh, inventory, I would say. Like the, the first paintings were my inventory, so there was a lot to work with. Uh, and now I'm working from a much more pared down, uh, uh, well, they said like an inventory. So I, I don't have as, I don't go, I don't have as much to go on. So that's, that's been an interesting shift. Sure. Well, and, and, you know, um, when you start, um, again, looking, looking over some of the old stuff, you come across a lot of these really, really detailed graphite drawings. So what's the relationship between, between that? I mean, do you always wind up coming up with something that's a really highly rendered kind of finished drawing before you do a painting? Or at least was that, I guess, important earlier on then? Um, the drawings are not, the way I work, the, the drawings are important and as schematic drawings for, they're basically, I don't always work this way now. Things are really like, I'm much more sophisticated in, in my ability to shift around how things can be now. But when I first started these paintings, I had a schematic floor plan, like an architectural drawing. And I would directly trace that with transfer paper or chalk paper onto the, the painting. And I would then fill in the objects. So the drawings were just bare bones. Um, they were just where the walls were going to be, where the doors were going to be. And then as I worked the painting, I would fill them in. And um, I do love drawing. And so when I had more time and, and time seemed like more like honey versus like uh, right now it feels like every minute counts, um, I would then finish paintings and then spend time finishing the drawing after the painting. So the finished drawing comes after the finished painting. So I've already figured out all the objects, figured out everything in the painting, and then I finished the drawing. So... The drawings come after. They're, they're second. They're not first, uh, except for the, the, the architectural part. Well, and, you know, you kind of mentioned something um, way back in, in the interview about, about the idea of design and, I don't know, kind of being an undergraduate and kind of looking at that, that idea of almost being like a designer. And, and one of the things that occurs to me also is that, um, you know, that transition from maybe like the, the attic sleepovers kind of, kind of uh, look um, again, it seems like there's a level of realism or interest in realism and drawing that's there that kind of, I don't know, maybe moves in a slightly different way when you start getting towards some of the newer work. There seems to be a level almost of um, playfulness in terms of uh, the materials because some yeah. of it also starts to get really flat and almost feel like it's um, like it like it is a design, like it's a like it's a, you know, 
like almost references kind of like wallpaper or patterns that you might associate. And I'm thinking of um, this one. Um, and again, maybe this is jumping a little bit farther down the line, but um, there's a cooking breakfast um, from 2004. Oh, yeah. And um, again, it, it seems like there's just a slight transition into maybe including more of that kind of flat kind of aesthetic um, in terms of the way that you're painting. Is that something that kind of um, fluctuates again, depending on like what you're going to do? Well, you know, the, the first paintings I really drew, I, I would think this is going to be, I need this chair to be here. So I'm, I would spend a lot of time at my desk drawing. I would figure out how big I wanted and I would render it from memory free form. Like it would just be like a, like a drawing. But what I do now, and I don't know when exactly this shift happened. I did read about several folk artists who use repetitive shapes. Like they would use a quarter for the sun in the painting, you know, versus actually freehand drawing it. And I, I really stopped drawing freehand. I almost all of my work now is, um, done with a ruler and, or like I measure out, um, if I'm going to make a curved line, it's all measured. Like it's going to be a half inch here and a quarter inch. And then I'm going to make the curve on each side, just the same. Like everything is much more, um, geometric and, uh, and there is almost no freehand drawing in my work anymore. I do do some, I mean, there will be areas and I'm actually playing around with that now a little bit, like some parts more in painting, like some parts of the paintings being a looser kind of painting. I'm not comfortable enough making a whole painting like that, but putting the, the landscape behind the window, make that like a, a looser freeform thing. Whereas everything else in the painting is measured and cut and, or measured and traced. Like nothing is done free. Like it's all done with a ruler or with, with really strict measurements. If I'm going to make a curve or something. So was your work then kind of focused on a lot of these things um, um, while you were living then still in New York before you moved um, to Chicago? Um, yeah, the work started, the, the, the subject matter of the interior started in New York. And I really honestly can say, and this, this really irritated, I remember some of my friends at Yale, that I had a longing to be back with home in, when I was in New York. New York was a, a very fun time in my life and, you know, it was very enlightening, I guess, but I was often very homesick. Um, I don't know why. And so that's why the work started. And also I just felt like I didn't know New York, um, the way I knew where I grew up, even though looking back, I would never want to go back and move back to Cincinnati and be in that space again, but it just felt so familiar at a time in my life when everything was so not personal, not familiar and all, everybody was in their twenties and, you know, going to bars and waking up hungover was like, you know, what you did, you know? And so I started making work in, you know, in my gallery, my Brooklyn studio about basically my parents' house and my grandmother and, and as nostalgic as that sounds, I actually know even from looking at my old work that I really was just using that as a way to make art. I wasn't that nostalgic. Um, even though for a while I described the work as nostalgic, it's just, it's just now in retrospect, I realized the work does not have a lot of emotion. It's actually pretty cool in terms of emotion. It just, it was the only place I wanted to be when I made art uh, at the time I was in New York. And so that started it. And then I just continued to explore it um, and exploit it. And I realized, you know, um, at Yale, too, Peter Haley said, people give you good advice, even though if they only are just saying it off the cuff or just to, you know, get through the time they have to give you a studio visit. But he said something to me, like, you should just do what you're good at, you know. Um, just do the things that you feel strong about. And I continue to feel strong about making these interiors. Um, and I think I found a lot of different ways to keep it exciting. So that's why I've continued it. Well, and it seems like one of the things that, that, you know, when you talk about being, or at least kind of basing it maybe off of more of the home things, I'm, I'm, I think of some of these, um, these kind of night paintings that you have in that 2005 area, yeah. were, were those specifically kind of based off of that idea then or, the ones that are like Christmas and um, well, like this one called Evenings Painting. I just, for some, oh, for yeah. some reason, I just I think of like a flashlight or there's you know these these ones where the light kind of becomes more prominent, oh, yes. where you've got like an area that's, that's yeah. specifically lighter in value than some of the other areas. You're good. You're really good at looking at my images. Um, yeah, there. You know, every step of the way, I'm a I'm a good listener. I would say I, I don't. You know, I I'm not a very I'm not very good at um, always expressing, at least in the moment, what the work is about. But I was always a good listener when people were talking to me about it. And you know, I had a lot of opportunities to hear people you know talk about it because I was in a lot of programs. I and mean, you know, I have like this, like the like the standard 
resume for like what people do to get an art education. But there is a, there is a really interesting writer who came through Yale and his name is Wayne Kostenbaum. You might know he did a biography of Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he just was like a really interesting guy and he was a writer and he said to me, you know, what about the light in your paintings? And I hadn't really been thinking too much about it. I'd had some criticism about, you know, maybe I should draw from observation. I should think about a light source, you know, all these like standard things that people tell you when they think that you're, 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 you're not achieving something or it's just, they're looking for the weakness in the work. And I think the light maybe was a weakness, although I didn't care about it. And I never cared that anybody said that. Um, he said, why not make light an object? And that's when I started using light as a shape and I started changing areas in the painting. And my husband always said, he reminded him of good night moon, which now that I have kids, I think that's, I'm totally fine with that reference. <laughs> right. Really. It's actually a great reference. I love the illustrations in that book. Um, and I will honestly say I love children's books illustration. So just having light be this area of the painting with the, the, the value of the color changes in order to let us know that the light is there and not somewhere else. And I really went full into that. Like I started doing it in all my work, like all my paintings from that maybe evenings painting or slightly earlier have a light source like that, where the window is creating a rectangle on the rug or the, the lamp is creating a, um, you know, some kind of shape above it. Uh, the candles in the window have a circle around it that's just drawn with like traced. I trace a penny and create a circle, and then the light inside there is bright orange, and the light and uh, around it is dark blue. So it's like the light is orange and the the window is blue. You know, sure. I really went went for that, and I like the results. Like I still use it sometimes. Right, right. Well, and it's one of the other things that occurs to me too. I mean, even though we're kind of you know still slowly moving through this, is that there's not really like you can see some of these older older um, ideas or ways of working or, or other things kind of crop up even in some of the current stuff. I mean, obviously there's a literal tie, but you know, some of these uh, devices that you use are, are really kind of interesting. And, and one of the thing, the other things that I kind of noticed too, is that there's also like um, um, some of the, some of the work then becomes a little bit more of a, like a looking into an actual space, um, you know, like, like an actual kitchen as opposed to being that kind of aerial kind mm-hmm. of one point perspective. Right. Um, was that just something again, like another way of kind of looking at it in terms of playing, playing around with the the space, or well, what were your concerns and 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 kind of um, well doing that to to spice things up? I guess I don't know. Well, you know, I really just got more sophisticated at playing with perspective, and I become more aware of my uses of it and and the sort of the way it was dominating my work. And uh, I I don't think I ever actually did very. I did. I have never done an actual you. Know, two-point perspective interior where everything goes back to the correct lines or anything. What I've done is sort of unfold the rooms in different ways where um, I'll let walls fold out and and abut in sort of a way that you can see it. I can get everything in the room, but it's not necessarily that it's going, it's not going down into space anymore. It's just flattening out. And, um, and so it's more like an unfolding of like a very complicated piece of paper that becomes a room. And then, that's how I'm, I'm working now is this, it's more of a process of, of folding versus, uh, creating a more of a, a picture box in within the rectangle. So that's, that's what I'm doing. And there just seems to be infinite or infinite ways to do that within a, a, a rectangle or a square. I mean, I just feel like I'm at endless possibilities for that. Sure. Well, and, and I guess one of the things that we haven't really talked about either is that, you know, um, you know, so a lot of these are, are oil paint, um, and some of them are, you know, gouache and, and other kinds of things, uh, you know, colored pencil. But in terms of the the, the surface quality that you have in, in some of the oil paintings, then are they also really flat? Because I know that in some of them you you kind of create this really these really nice visual, you know, textures. And, and in some of them, um, I don't know. It's it's hard to know if they're painted flat or if they actually have texture to them. Um, um you know. The paintings are not that flat. Uh, the gouache paintings are very flat, usually, um, unless I have some kind of texture in there. And, you know, gouache is probably my medium of choice most of the time. But I, I have done a lot of oil painting now, um, even mixing oil painting with gouache, um, especially in a series of paintings I get called Dining. It's like the Dining Room series where I cleaned up a series of paintings by starting in gouache and then ending in oil. Um, but those have texture. Um, I also taught children for a while right after... I moved to Chicago when I was kind of wayward here and didn't have uh, a real connection to anything. And kids, when they paint, tend to put a lot of paint on the brush and then mush it onto the paper and create ridges and edges within the paint. And 
when I started doing these much more geometric paintings, I started filling in the paintings that way. Like I would have paint on the brush and fill it in, but I'd, there'd be texture in the paint. I did a whole series of oil paintings where there's, you know, when the, when the shape is painted, there's, you know, there's a ridge around the edge of that shape and it creates this texture. But the digital images always make my look, work look very flat. Right, uh, right. Um, and now I'm working in paper, and so my work has a lot of texture. I mean, there's a lot of physicality to the surfaces. It's just not always apparent in a picture. Well, and, and I guess rather than me kind of going over every single image, because you've got a ton of work, um, oh, a ton okay. of nice work, by the way, so that's that's pretty nice. Um, no one ever says that, but... by the way. Everyone says I don't have very much work. So that is, Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one of the things that I was going to say, too, is that even, you know, you brought up the uh, uh, um, being Catholic, raised Catholic and... and um, I think, you know, I was talking about one thing and you were maybe thinking about some of these Christmas images, but uh, it seems then there's, there's kind of like a link, um, to, to something that kind of happens a little bit later, um, and around the 2007 area where we start painting these, um, these almost like cathedrals or, or churches. No, they're churches. Um, they look like cathedrals, but they're churches. Yeah. Okay. Cause there's, there's kind of like a combination of that color scheme, that black and white color scheme, but then obviously some of the stained glass, cause you're, you're also kind of have this little slight variation where you, where you start doing uh, paintings and, and, and I guess uh, colored pencil drawings where you're kind of including more of like a, a stained glass look. And, and I don't know. So, so is that, is that then again, just another kind of area that you're exploring in terms of uh, a theme or is there yeah, a specific, uh, um, that's the paintings was really specific. It was, it came, uh, you know, I had worked a little bit in black and white. You've mentioned the Christmas paintings where the light is very low um, it's about this repetition of putting the Christmas decorations out and the magical time of being a kid and sitting in the living room. Uh, we were sometimes allowed to sleep on the couch with all the decorations in the room and waking up and seeing this kind of magical, but also kind of scary interior, uh, that's very dark with all the you know, Santa Clauses and snowmen. And my mom had tons of decorations. So I was exploring those. And that, that also has a Catholic reference because Christmas, um, and I did grow up Catholic. So I, I had the opportunity to do a solo show at Three Walls. Um, that was my first real solo show. And uh, I wanted to do something, you know, I wanted to take some risks, I guess. And I was interested in the black and white paintings. But then I was also interested in going back to color. And it just seemed like the perfect marriage of the two things where I, for some reason, we were um, on a vacation that summer and we went into this little chapel in the Bahamas. And I remember standing in the chapel with these beautiful stained glass windows and the interior was very dark and the, the, the glass was really illuminated. And I will say the other thing about those paintings that I wanted to get to, but I was still so nervous to do was the figure. And so that's the Jesus thing in there is I was able to draw, that's all geometric drawing with a ruler. Like I was able to do the stations of the cross and put Jesus on the cross. And I was, I never drew the figures. There's no faces but I could do it. I could do this kind of figurative narration thing without actually having to draw the figure. And then it was all done like paint by number. The interiors of the churches were black and the stained glass was color. But I just had jars and jars of things that were numbered and the values were numbered. And then the colors for the stained glass were numbered. And I just basically had a drawing and I filled it in. And um, I was interested also in stripping out... Uh, I was, I knew I was working flat. Like I had gotten to this place where I was, all my work was super flat now. You know, I was like becoming the flat artist. And so I wanted to really just go there and make everything flat, um, and fill in the shapes. And the churches of course are churches that I grew up or my parents got married in, or I, you know, St. Dominic is where I, my parish when I was growing up. Um, the other churches all had meaning places I'd gone to weddings or where other friends churches, you know, I was part of a, you know, a, a community of parishes. Like we just hung out with all the other Catholic kids. So interesting. Interesting. That's what that work is just this whole bunch of stuff coming together in one thing. Interesting. Well, and, and it seems like too, then, you know, like what I was saying before in terms of then exploring other, other kind of content at the same time, it's interesting because even at around the same time, then, um, you know, you still have some of these these paintings that are that are still combining interiors and some of these light ideas. But then also, um, I think for like one of the first times that I that I'm kind of noticing is like you start seeing some exteriors. Um, yeah, that's of right. Like, like those suburban homes and and well, there's one on fire in particular in this uh, burning down the second house. Uh, I love that. In painting. 2008. <laughs> um, What's the I mean, what's the story about that? I mean, was it just again? What, like it seems like then you maybe were kind of giving yourself permission to 
to do some of the things that you wanted to do and, and just hadn't gotten to do yet? Or well, yeah, I, I, you know, I was, you know, I, I think, you know, I sort of had gotten my sea legs as an artist. I really had um, figured out how it was going to work, um, figured out something I wanted to work with, which was, you know, interiors and spaces that were, you know, everyday spaces. And the, the landscapes just seemed to come along, you know, once I did the, I, and then the churches, I think, were me trying to actually move slightly away from the interiors because I was feeling like I was getting a little bit too invested in that. And I wanted to break out into something that maybe had more cultural weight, which is religion has this weight in our culture. And that, that I, I really, that, those pieces, that burning down the second house and decorating for the wedding, um, and then there's two interiors, were in a show that I actually put together um, with a group of artists that were friends called Grandma. And I just wanted to think about this aesthetic of Grandma Moses and about, you know, this idea of the grandmother being this craft, you know, we associate grandmothers with, you know, uh, crochet or uh, knitting or, you know, cooking. And it's just like the stereotype of the grandmother and, the, and domesticity. And it led me to my grandmother's farm, which is where I spent time, that attic sleepovers painting. And it just seemed like it was time to address the exterior. Like I wanted to be outside there as much as I wanted to be inside. I didn't just want to stay in the old boring farmhouse. I wanted to go outside and paint what was out there. And I, you know, it just came up. And then I've, you know, I've always gone back and forth to that now. I go back. I do some landscape stuff every once in a while. Um, it's very similar to the way I do the interiors. It's like very planned out, you know. Well, and it's interesting, too, when the, the, the way that you kind of stylize certain things then, too. Um, you know, and especially even like in, in earlier stuff, even though, um, well, no, kind of throughout, you know, there's there's like a level of, of uh, flatness in some areas. But then also, again, that, that, that like a, that geometric kind of um, kind of kind of way of working through even something like leaves or, you know, smoke or something like that. Again, it's very interesting in, in terms of combining that with like the other kind of aesthetic that you've been kind of building up and and exploring. Um and so then, does that does that idea then of of, the, of uh, your grandmother's house? I mean, does that kind of come back into it then? Because then it seems like there's kind of like a, a reemergence of, um, if you will, of that like kind of like interior kind of kitchen or I don't know interior kind of settings. But again, it, it's it's hard to say because you're always it seems like that's always something that you're interested in. Well, you know, uh, after so I did the church show and then I did the grandma show with the p- pieces that I said I channeled Grandma Moses, but they look nothing like Grandma Moses' work. Um, but but I did explore this landscape, exterior farm, you know, the farm being on the farm, and then I, um, you know, this is like as your life. My life doesn't connect with my art. I'm not like one of these people who lives my art, or I'm not like everything's kind of separate. But at the time, I was getting married. And then I was pregnant with my first daughter, Olive. And, um, I actually did the grandma show in San Francisco while she was, uh, uh, I was eight months pregnant, I guess. Yeah. And so she came along. And then after that, you know, I seemed to just be drawn to back into this domestic space. Like now I was as domestic as I imagined my mother was, you know? Right, and, right. Um, and that's when the show with Steven came up and he offered me a show and, uh, I called it housekeeping and I did work about kitchens again. And, you know, there was this moment at the end of grad school too, where, you know, that Mel Bachner, he said to me, you know, I had a piece that I had done that was not a kitchen. And he said, Oh, thank gosh, you got out of the kitchen. Um, but I think just by him saying that I always wanted to go back there cause I knew that was the space that I felt like life is centered on in so many it's in a lot of work by women. Like I've been looking at a lot of Mexican surrealism and Leonora Carrington, who was living in Mexico, does a lot of paintings of kitchens. You know, women are drawn to that, even if that's a cliche or a stereotype. Um, and I was finding myself as a mother in the kitchen a lot more than I'd ever been in my life. You know, I was cooking more and doing things that I only just kind of did on the fly as, you know, a single person or a person without children. So the work just because of my life was, pushed right back into this domestic space. And, um, it seemed to make a lot of sense. Like it, now I could talk about women's issues and things that were, it just became more about women than just about domestic space, which I, I liked and also felt kind of funny about, you know, I was sort of, you know, stepping cautiously, I guess. One of the things that's interesting about that particular kind of thing, the idea of doing chores in that, um, is that you've also kind of, uh, got the, these four paintings that, have nearly the same um, the same layout and composition in terms of the interior room setting, but then 
all of the things going on in them are, are changing. You know, there's, um, you know, yeah, the like polished too. furniture, you know, like, like in comparison to the, the one that came before where I guess it was maybe being ready for dusty, like the color is more intense, um, and things are kind of subtly changing. So it's, it's interesting that, to kind of see that, that relationship. I would imagine it was uh, fun to see them in the same space. Well, actually, you can see them in the same space again in January at the Elmhurst Museum because they're going to have that series up for a show that Stacey Boris is curating called Open House, um, which I will actually have quite a bit of work in. Uh, But that series is going to come to Chicago. It was shown in uh, Boston, and it's been shown in pieces and parts all over the place. But it it really is, a, I feel, for me, a conceptually really interesting series of paintings. And I was really working through a lot of things about myself and about my, you know, housekeeping and, and then this idea of cleaning with paint and also this idea of the color form of the dollhouse, like moving things around and, you know, that kind of thing too. So just using the, basically the idea of using the same first, I use a drawing for that. It was like my pilot drawing and everything came from that drawing and I just would, you know, all the chairs were drawn on tracing paper and I just move, move use the same drawing of the chair and all the paintings. So I just trace it onto the so everything is just redone, and, you know, it was actually kind of tedious in the end. But I think it really created a very powerful series of paintings for me. Sure. Well, and, and again, like, like, like I said, it's just hard to not want to keep pouring over every little image because they, they, especially they start to really kind of break up around this point to including, again, so many of those different things. So you might have something that, you know, to me references um, an attic or some of those, those, uh, those paintings that have the light sources, but then... Um, you know, at the same time, you're, you can combine it into something that has more of a, like a landscape kind of going throughout the window or, um, any number of other things. I mean, is there, is there really like at at this point then in the last couple of years, I mean, is, is it really then just about being open to just trying, um, new things, new materials? Um, I know that it seems like in some of these then, um, you're incorporating pencil and, um, gouache or, or, um, acrylic paint. You know, I, I, I kind of feel in th- I'm in a good place uh, as an artist because I feel like I've come full circle from really exploring painting for a number of years after I lived in New York and went to grad school and, and really being kind of wedded to painting, even though a lot of it was gouache. Um, now I'm, um, I guess after the show Housekeeping, which I included in that show two large what I call cut paper pieces where I make the paintings just from cut paper. So I paint the paper... I cut it all up and create the same as a painting. I create an interior, but it's all made of paper. And then I had the show at the MCA in 2011. Um, and I really, you know, I think as you, you're getting more shows, you're having more opportunities to um, question your work and more is being written about your work, more people are talking about your work. So you're like, oh, this is what people are seeing in my work and how, you know, what do I want to push or how do I want to change or and so I started using more paper. Uh, a lot of my work now is, um, especially the past two years, has been more uh, about these cut paper pieces than the actual painting. Um, you know, very few of my pieces to date right now in the past two years have been just painting on panel. Um, mm-hmm. It's always included cut paper. And now I'm doing things where I'm thinking more about texture and ways to paint paper that is just not just one color, which is what it was in the beginning, one color. Now it's, I might you create a pattern or create a more painterly surface. And I'm interested in trying to loosen myself up in my work without having to be loose in the work. So right. I'm, I'm really working on that. And so now I am fully into cut paper world. Um, but I do see as I evolve, things always go back. Like I'm sure, I think probably the show after the one coming up in February, which is almost all combined cut paper and painting on panel, I'll go back to just painting again. You know, I get tired of things too. Like, but it's always trying to explore what the next thing the work is telling me, like exploring what those dining room paintings told me about, um, the light and the different kinds of patterns and how I can use those patterns and, but create some texture with paper and those kinds of things. Sure. And and so then are you, are you literally then just like coming, like painting a a multitude of different colors and, different textures that you're trying to incorporate or what's the process that goes into it in terms of, I guess, uh, I, I don't know, figuring one of these out. Do you work on a bunch of them at the same time? Do you have like a whole pile of all these different papers that you've painted or is it very specific to each one? Well, I do now have a lot of paper and one of the cool things now that I can do is recycle and, and actually let the paper that I already have painted, um, kind of 
inform the color of the work sometimes versus it being too specific. But if there is a color in the piece that needs to be painted, I paint paper. And for every new piece, I paint at least 10 or 12 pieces of new paper to get the colors the way I want. But in the beginning, it was all about like for the ex-wife pieces in the 2010 show at Stevens, I painted every paper new. Like I painted them in my basement because I had to be home with my daughter. And while she would nap, I would go down and paint, you know, paper on the floor um, and just try to imagine all the colors that were going to be in the pieces. So I'd have them available to take to the studio and, and cut. But, you know, now it's kind of like a, I'm in like a good place. Like I can, some paper has to be painted and some can just be reused. I have piles of paper all over my studio. It's actually kind of a mess. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I often I have to purge and, you know, get rid of the ones that have gotten stepped on too many times or, you know, or just getting too cut up that they're just like a bunch of, it's just like a bunch of slithers or something. So sure. yeah, that's what I do. I paint a lot of paper. Well, and is that something then that also becomes really apparent in some areas and then um, becomes softer in other areas because of, well, I mean, obviously like, you know, contrasting different colors, but then also does the, the material actually kind of pop off the surface in some areas then? Oh, yeah. Like, the, okay. the, everything now is very physical. The paper, the big paper pieces are very physical. They're all paper. Even the, the support, which is paper, becomes like uh, warped as I work on it with the glue. So it gets got a lot of like rip, like ripples in it. Um, the ones that I'm doing for my show at Eversmore in February are all on panel, um, and they're very, they're very flat. But the most of the any object or thing in the painting now is made of paper, and just the architecture is painted. Like the walls are painted, um, unless there's wallpaper. Uh, maybe the view out the window is painted, like in the dining room series. I'm really interested in doing these loose, ex, like kind of expressionistic paintings in the window because that's really fun for me because I can actually cover it with curtains and things. So the loose part of the painting is veiled. Um, so I paint the surface. I start out with a painted surface. That's all very either the walls and all the doors and the door frames. And then I add the, start gluing the paper on top. Right. Right. That's, that's kind of my new thing, I guess. Well, and I think especially that idea of um, creating a, a kind of texture is, is really interesting because it, well, texture and pattern just become so, um, so rich, you know, cause you can yeah. be looking at something just like a, you know, kitchen cabinets or something like that. And it has this really nice surface that's very specific or, you know, even just the way that, um, that carpet kind of, uh, also kind of gets incorporated in there, like, or the surface of carpet or tile floors or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. and is there, I guess one of the other things that I, that I kind of bring up and, and something that kind of alludes to something that you had talked about earlier is, um, you also in the, in kind of the most recent work, we start seeing, um, the, uh, the figures start to appear a bit more in the work. Um, and was that something that, again, um, kind of fill, kind of going with that idea of just taking more risks and seeing uh, well, what you I can come up with it? Well, I if I'm right, on my website, there's only one piece in 2011 called The Benefactors, which is figurative. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the pilot piece for what I'm working on now, uh, a show called The Inheritance, which will open in February, about a group of people who lost an inheritance. Um so there's like, uh, it's, the, and the figures are done a little bit different than the, in the benefactors. They're, those are, they're caricatures. And I'm, the, the artists I'm really interested in this for the show are two I've been interested in forever is Joachim Nordstrom and Florine Stettheimer. And this idea of using, uh, it, it also comes back a little bit to my interest in Grandma Moses about being able to draw the figure in this kind of simple way. Um, so the figures are all from cut paper. Uh, but this, I I think in February will be the first real figurative show I've done. If you don't include the the the, tur the church show where I have the I have Jesus in there a lot, <laughs> but he's drawn all geometric and has no eyes or anything. These people right, are gonna have, right. they're going to have eyes and eyebrows and you know they're they're <laughs> all going to look very grotesque actually because they're made of cut paper so their faces are textured and everyone it's a lost inheritance so everyone is angry and bitter and uh, vengeful so there's there's the tone of, and I think with the figures the mood is set. Whereas in my other work, the mood is not always there. Like it's always, it can be just very, uh, empty feeling. Um, so yes, this is a, I guess it's a risk for me, but I will also say one thing that I have recognized now more and more is that since I moved to Chicago and I may have not had this opportunity had I stayed in the East coast, I did start teaching. Um, it was really, uh, an opportunity given to me by my friend, Carrie Gundersdorf. Um, she helped me with my first jobs here at the Art Institute. I'm just a part-time teacher. Mm -hmm. But now I have a pretty steady gig at Columbia. And at Columbia, they have Drawing One, which is what you basically teach when you're a part-time teacher there. Um, I finally do have better classes I'm teaching. Well, not, not that those classes are not good. 
but painting and I'm teaching painting, but I taught drawing one for many years now and I'm a better drawer. Like I can, you know, I feel finally confident that I can do a figurative show. I don't think I could have done it a couple of years, like five years ago. Right. Right. You well, know, and- I've just been doing more drawing, um, with the kids. Like I draw on their drawings, you know, <laughs> right. I'm just better, you know? Right. Well, and it's interesting because again, it seems like that, that idea of, um, finding a way to bring something new to your studio practice. It always seems like it's very, I don't know that it, that it always just kind of comes in there. And so it's, it's interesting to see the way that, um, you know, that shifts the work, but then also the way that you're, you're kind of willing to kind of, um, I don't know, to give, to give yourself over to that. Cause I know, you know, a lot of artists that have a hard time, uh, just saying, all right, I'm going to do this now and, and, and see what this does and, and kind of play around with it. So it really, it really, it's really interesting because it really opens them up and, you know, well, you know, I also have a lot of great friends who are figurative painters. You know, I'm really good friends with Ridley Howard and Holly Coolis, who are two really interesting figurative painters. And I've always loved their work. And um, I feel like I've just been around it enough that I'm drawn to it. And I was always just scared to do it. And, you know, if, if you let the theme, in the way you come up with ideas for shows, I'm sure you do this too, is just something clicks and that's the right thing like for the mca show i wanted to do kitchens because of that thing that mel said about getting out of the kitchen so that made me think for my biggest show to date i will go in the kitchen and then i will ask my mother's-in-law and i have two eric has a stepmom and then my mom uh, to draw their mother's kitchens because for me there's all this tension with family and your mother and then having mothers-in-laws and you know their relationships to each other and their relationships to their mother and my relationship to my kids. So it just was – and you know I read some books that Eric's mom had written. It all just came together. So whether that mattered for the show, it just – in my mind, it made a show and I was ready to do it. Like with this show for the figurative work, it's just my mother has been so angry. It's, this is actually a very personal story. It's my parents are involved. My mother was so angry the year that they lost this money that she talked about it nonstop. And she described the people with this, like, very, you know, uh, in this very not uh, flattering light. You know, and I just got really wrapped up in this narrative. And so I thought, you know, and Dorothy and Jesse, the two women who were um, the people who uh, uh, had the inheritance to give, I forget what that's called, um, right. uh, the benefactors, I guess, were people that I'd known my whole life. They were my mother's friends. And, you know, I'd grown up going to their house. And so I just, the show was there and it had to be figurative. There was no way to do this show because I didn't know these people well enough. I didn't know their houses. Um, and I won't give all the details of how I'm putting together these rooms with the people in them. Cause it's kind of interesting, but it should be like a, uh, a reason to come see the show. Um, it had to be figurative, you know, right, right. I didn't, it could not just be the way I'd been working before. So. Excellent. Um, well, and again, that was going to be my last question, but I guess, uh, that's just the, just the reminder that we all need them to come, uh, check it out. And so when can we be, um, looking forward to see that when, when, when is, when is that going to happen in February? You know, without knowing the exact date of the opening, uh, I do think it's the second, the, the second last or the last week of February, uh, is when the show is going to open. Um, so that'll be at Eversmore and there'll be, I think six figurative, uh, painting cut paper pieces on panel for the show. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, I, I, I could normally just keep going on and on and on, but I know that I've already taken up a bit of your time. And, um, you know, again, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you this morning and, um, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, no, it was super fun. Thanks. It makes me more thoughtful today. You know, it makes me think about things, you know, in a, in a different way after I talk about myself for an hour. So, so thanks for Thanks again to Anne for joining us today, and if you would like to see more work by Anne, please visit AnneTebby.com. If you'd like to see it in person, we advise that you head over to the Elmhurst Art Museum in January, and also up in February is the group exhibition Housebound from November 2nd to January 5th, 2013 at Heiner Contemporary. That's HeinerContemporary.com. And again, if you'd like a link for that, please go to studiobreak.com and check out this blog post. If you want to see something interesting a little bit sooner, What It Is Gallery has an opening Friday, October 26th from 6 to 9 p.m. That is at 23 East Madison Street in Chicago. We've got Alex Cole Grinwald and Michelle Wasson, so it should be a pretty good show to check that out. And once again, 
I have an exhibition opening up November 12th from 1.30 to 3.30. It's a little bit out of the way for most everyone, but it is a solo show at Moberly Area Community College. The exhibition called Reconstructed is in Moberly, Missouri, so once again, I understand if you can't make that, but that show runs November 12th through December 12th, so very excited about that. And of course, if you want to see any of my work, just go to davidlinaway.com and see what kind of goodies I got there. As always, all of our free music can be found at freemusicarchive.org. Our intro song for today was White Mysteries 1985, and taking us out is Bernard Burnson's In the Attic. So if you need some new tunes while you're rocking it in the studio, I highly recommend checking it out. Of course, you already subscribe to the blog and you follow us on iTunes. You're a subscriber. We'd also love it if you would follow us on Facebook or like us on Facebook. Once again, we do provide a number of updates and previews for new and past artists and all sorts of information there. So please like us on Facebook. And lastly, you can follow us on Twitter at Studio Break to find out more stuff there. So... That's all the show that we have for today. We really hope you enjoy it, and we'll talk to you real soon.